three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the Rubber Duck Dev Show. I'm Creston. And I'm Chris. And today we're going to talk about failing in public, which we just did. Yep. I, I started the show. Yeah, I did that on purpose. We'll go with that. And <laughs> Chris contacted me and said, hey, you know, for this episode, you should take the lead on it. So following the adage of failing in public, I've done nearly zero preparation for this show. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> but before we get into the actual show content, what'd you do this week? Oh, um, it's been, oh man, it's been a headless chicken week. Um, I've, I've been running all over the place, um, well, in, in virtual space, trying to get things all straightened out uh, for a bunch of different customers. And we're doing, uh, we're having to do a, a bit of a reversion on something that, that didn't pan out right. Um, I mean, it, it panned out okay in all the testing, but then, you know, you put something in production and you find out about... Um, all the things that don't, don't, yeah. <laughs> Production is never the same as your, your staging environment, even if it's exactly the same, because customers find ways to do things that you never think about. Um, so we're having to, yep. having to do a little, little patchy business, but you know, that's it, just what happens with production stuff. Um. So, and you know, lots of little, lots of little nitnoids going on this week. Um, just, you know, little, little bug stompers and, and things like that. Adding a couple little tests that we were missing. Just all, all kinds of little things. So how have you been? Been good. Been really busy. Um, I have another win that happened. Actually, it may have happened like, right last week as the show concluded, but we didn't do an intro then, so I'll just mention it now. Like I had a client come to me for a database for SQL optimization. So they had this long query that's a, that they basically said, hey, we need to try and speed this query up. And it was basically trying to deliver JSON. So I'm thinking, okay, so I worked with them on it. And they showed me the query and literally it joined 11 tables and put a whole bunch of information in it and delivered a JSON document. Yikes. And I'm like, oh boy, that's a lot. Or no, it was even more than 11. It may have been 13 or something. I don't know. It was a lot. Because normally when I'm optimi optimizing a query, maybe it's three tables, four tables at the most. But this one, I was kind of like, okay. So I took a look at it. And to pull back, and what it was doing was pulling like a parent record and then all sorts of different children down from downstream from it. So that's why I was joining all these tables to pull back all this information into one big, huge JSON file. Mm -hmm. So pulling one of the problematic records took one second. So to run that SQL query took one second to deliver all that JSON. And they said they were able to get it using, I think, uh, Ruby on Rails. They were able to get it down to maybe 300 seconds by breaking it up and doing it iter iteratively in Ruby. I so, see you meant 300 milliseconds. Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant, <laughs> 300 milliseconds. So a little faster. <laughs> yeah. So I knew it was like, okay, there's some win here 
that I need to figure out. But for the life of me, I kept failing. I couldn't figure out how to, I, I found some quick wins to get it down to uh, by 20% faster, 25% faster, but it just wasn't what I was looking for. Finally, I cracked the nut and figured it out and basically broke it down uh, into its component parts doing subqueries. So basically not pulling all the data at once in this big huge join and then aggregating it all together to JSON, but actually creating the JSON segments within subqueries for each table and then joining all of those together. And by doing that, that one problematic record then became a hundred times faster. So it went from one second to 10 milliseconds. Mm -hmm. And a hundred records, which is kind of what their goal was, went from, it took about 10 seconds to do it. And then after the optimization, it took like 200 milliseconds. So about 50 times faster. So I was like, oh my gosh, finally, I figured that out. Wow. Yeah, but I mean, I'll take a, I'll take I'll take a hundred x win, but yeah. Well, so, yeah, hundred x win is is uh, pretty good. That's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. So, but today we are talking about failing and specifically failing in public. Yeah. And oh, hey, Luchin. Hey, man. Thanks for joining us. Um, so this was an episode you said. You came to me and said, hey, I want to do this and you can interview me. So what kind of tickled your fancy in terms of wanting to discuss this particular topic? So first, I just want to say, um, you know, I'm happy to be here. I was I was really surprised to get the invite and, and you know, really, really feel good about being here. So uh, thanks. Yeah, for you're that. honored. But, yeah, <laughs> I'm honored to be here. Um, no, it's well, one of the things that. That I have for a while. Um, kind of had in the back of my head is uh, that I want to do with this show and with um, coding with Chris is to help junior developers uh, come up, right? And part of that is not being afraid to fail, right? And and building that confidence to just say, I'm going to try this thing. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. You know, I'm, but I'm going to try it anyway. Um, and I think, you know, when I was, I kind of almost remember when I was starting out a hundred years ago, um, it, it was intimidating. I mean, programming development, software engineering is a huge landscape and it's hard to navigate and it's hard to figure out your way. And there's so much going on. And having that lack of confidence as a new developer um, can really hamper you. And I th think one of the better... Out of curiosity, what was intimidating? Uh, or what did you find intimidating when the, you started out? Well, A, uh, you know, I was working and I was coming into a job where there were uh, senior engineers and I'm like, oh, I don't want them to think I'm a complete idiot, you know, because yeah, I, I don't know how to do you don't this want thing. To think you don't, yeah, yeah. You know, and... Um, then, you know, I have to learn all this, navigating this huge environment of stuff. Um, it's just, you know, it's just intimidating. And as, as we started this show, one of the things I started thinking about, 
I mean, not, not today's show, but this, this channel, one of the things I was thinking about is what would I have liked to have had available to me when I was starting as a developer? Um, and I don't think that that changes, you know, from 25 years ago when I was starting. Those, those same needs and, and wants are there. You can just get them different ways. Like we didn't have YouTube and stuff when I was a junior, but, um, you know, we had meetups and people would meet and talk about stuff and learn from each other. And it's the same kind of thing, I think. So one of the things that, that I wanted to do to talk today specifically is I think it's important for senior developers to be able to fail in public so that junior developers can see, oh, look, they, they screw things up too, and it's fine. That's, that's just part of the process. So I can go in here and try things and screw things up, and it's okay because it's just part of the process. Um, so that's one of, the, one of the big reasons. There are several reasons that I like to do this live, but one of the big ones is because I want people to see this, this is us, you know? The unpolished version right. of us. Yeah, I mean, this is, there's no editing, there's no scripting, there's no, none of that stuff. You know, we'll come in here, we'll stumble over words, we'll forget English, we'll, you know, I go on coding with Chris and, and look like a complete idiot a lot of the time. But it's fine because we're learning things. And so, you know, yep. when we fail in public, but um, one of the things that I've heard from several junior developers that I've talked to lately is that, that watch the show is, it, it, yeah, it was really nice to see you uh, messing things up because it made me feel better about when I mess things up, right? Especially at work, you know, messing things up when you're, your little funsies project at home isn't a big deal. You expect to do that, but messing things up at work, you know, you, as a junior, that's pretty intimidating, I think. So, you know, it, it's something that I'm starting to want to do more of is encourage more senior developers to start doing live coding so that the community of junior developers can see that and, and start learning things and start learning how the thinking process works and how you learn new stuff. Um, so I think it's important. They're going to try to convince me to, to do this as well. And they'll, and I've been thinking about that. I should probably do something, but I've, uh, I've been so busy. I know that it's trying to, trying to fit it in or figure out how to fit it in. But yeah, I, I mean, I've been thinking about, you know, what I can do as well. So. Right. Well, and then it's a thing like, like coming up with the coding with Chris, you know, I had to find a project that I could do in public because I can't do my actual work in public live, right? The yeah. NDAs and stuff. But, um, so, so that is a bit of a challenge, but I, you know, I think it's just, Hey, go out and do a funsies project and put, and you don't have to put your face on the camera. You can just get a mic and, and show your screen if it's too intimidating at first to put your face on camera, which I know for people doing live stuff, 
That's the biggest hurdle is getting in front of a camera. I mean, I, I've never talked to anybody who's gotten into live stuff that didn't say my biggest problem, my biggest hurdle was just getting in front of the camera the first time. That's that's always been the answer. Um, and I, I think yeah, too I that, remember my first time when I did a webinar. I was just staring blank. There, there was no other guest there. It was just me giving a presentation, and I'm staring blankly into this black circle that is the camera yeah. trying to and just talking to it in the silent room was just eerie and you don't get any feedback from another person like you don't hear another sound yeah you're like i hope this is going out there i don't know if it's working right so and i i went from there and being very uncomfortable to like i turn it on it's like hey yeah whatever <laughs> yeah and that's that's the thing i think it just takes practice and it takes practice to fail in public too, because you have to be comfortable with your abilities. Um, and you have to be comfortable with yourself to get in front of other people and say, okay, I'm just going to figure out how this works and learn it right in front of you. Let's, you know, let's do it. It turns out though, that a, for me and for a lot of other people, I would suspect that's really cathartic to just get on there with chat and say, okay, I'm screwing this up. And somebody in chat will say, oh, hey, did you try this? Great. We learned something. Um, it's also fun uh, because I'm, I'm having a lot of people. I'm having more people approach me through that because they're watching me screw up and say, hey, he's the same human I am. You know, he's not some magical thing in, in, on a video. He's just a, a dude over here programming, right? And it's much more approachable that way, I think. Um, so I'm wondering what what more I can do to get more people to to get into live coding. Um, I took a poll on Twitter a couple weeks back and asked people if you if you had a free place to learn how to do live coding to learn the technology and how to do it and, and all that stuff, would you consider doing it or you're never going to do it at all? What I was expecting was maybe, you know, like 15 or 20% of the responses to be, yeah, I'd, I'd give it a shot. And the rest of them, like, there's not a chance I'm ever stepping in front of a camera. It turns out that what it was was about 60% of people saying, yeah, I'd like to try that, which really surprised me. Um, so one of the things I think I'm going to do to, to see if I can help that out is, uh, we've got a discord channel and I'm going to see if I can set up a time where I can just hang out in the discord chat for like an hour a week and let people come in and just ask questions about streaming. How do I do this? How do I set this up in OBS? How do I, what kind of microphone should I use? All that, all that fun stuff that I've had to learn over years and years. Um, see if we can shortcut that knowledge so that people can get into um, the live streaming. So chat, I mean, if you, um, if you're not part of our discord yet, um, go ahead and join because I'll be putting up there pretty soon. Um, some times when I'll be hanging out in the discord chat um, and talking about this stuff uh, to try to help you out because 
I'm not quite sure what else I can do, but I can do that for sure. Um, but you know, I think it's I, I think it's an important thing to try to put yourself out there. It's important for the community to see people doing that. I think. So. Yeah, I think you know you're saying trying to decide what to do. I mean, I think anyone who has contributed to an open source project that's definitely a fair game. Oh, absolutely. To be able to put up there. So, it doesn't necessarily have to be something new or I mean you could choose your favorite library and see hey is there any feature you want added to it or Yeah. something like that. I'm going to work on a PR today for this gym that I use. You know. Yeah, it doesn't have to be some big project. I, I'm doing a big project, but that's because that's what I wanted to do. You know, this whole Ruby game programming thing, that's a whole different arena. And one of the reasons I picked that is because I wanted to start using my Ruby brain a different way from a Rails app. But it doesn't have to be that. I mean, if you're live streaming coding, you could just be, hey, I want to investigate you know, this, the, the new things in Ruby 3.1 today and find, do some hacking in IRB just to see what happens. Or I want to do this PR for OSS. This is our goal today is to get this PR done for this feature or fix this bug or, you know, or one of the things that I'm going to do that's, that's fun too, I, I think is going to be fun. And this, this came from uh, Marco um, on Tuesday on the coding with Chris, I'm going to try doing, um, what's this thing called? It's called, uh, clash of code. Yeah. Clash of code. Um, because, uh, Tuesday is my birthday and we're going to just celebrate online. And I thought, you know, instead of just watching me code, why don't we get together and all do something together? So we're going to try this Clash of Code thing, which lets anybody, you know, it, it's like little coding challenges and you do them in whatever language and we're just going to have fun together. So it doesn't have to be any hugely structured thing. Um, it's just about getting yourself out there and, and having some fun with it and not being afraid to... To just be in public with it. And I think one of the really important things to understand, you know, I titled this show Failing in Public. But one of the mantras I've had for a very, very long time is you only fail if you fail to learn. So even if you get something wrong, if you learn something from it, you haven't failed. So I'm not really failing in public. I'm learning in public. Right? I hope <laughs> so, which I, I think, I mean, for me, at least that makes it a little less intimidating. You know, everybody has to learn stuff. I'm learning in public. Yep. Part of learning is screwing things up sometimes. That just means I'm learning faster. So that's okay. I wonder, you know, because when you said this episode failing and uh, said that is so well said. No, oh, thanks, man. There you go. So when you had said this episode, failing in public, I was kind of taking it from the, the new developer perspective and 
trying to think what are they intimidated what are what are they fear, fearful of and part of me is wondering is our structured education system teaching people to be super afraid of failing because you know you have to learn a defined thing and then you take a test on it and there is most of the time especially especially with math and science and things of that nature a right and a wrong answer and therefore getting things wrong is a bad bad thing you get a bad grade maybe your parents aren't happy oh you don't get to go to the, your college of interest if that's what you're wanting to do whereas there's other things where the faster you fail, you end up eventually succeeding. Like if you're programming yep. something, you may hit the wall, hit the wall, hit the wall, hit the wall. Finally, you break through the wall, figuring out what it is you need to do. Right. Uh, yeah, Rebuilt. How's it going, man? Welcome. Uh, one of the things that helped me get over my imposter syndrome was to see that senior devs don't actually know everything. Amen, brother. And I only learned that by pairing with seniors. Right. Um, yeah, pairing is a great way to do that, and I I don't have a lot of time for one-on-one -on -one pairing. So what I'm what I'm hoping and what I'm seeing is that you know doing live coding stuff is kind of group pairing, but I get to put my stuff out there, and and people who watch me know that I'm a senior developer. You know, I've been doing this for a long time, and they can sit there and watch me screw things up and have to ask chat somebody tell me how to do this. I have no clue, you know, and I do that all the time and, and I have no problems with that. Um, you know, because I want juniors to go in there confident and say, you know what? I'm just as good as the seniors. I just don't have as much experience as them. So, you know, of course they're going to know some things that I don't know yet because they've spent 20 years learning but they still screw it up and they still learn new things. So it's okay for me to get in there and, and try and, and learn and mess things up. Um, another mantra I've had for a long time is if you aren't breaking something, you're not trying hard enough. You, you probably ought to do a little bit better job at your job. If you're not breaking things. Um, you sound like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Facebook dude. Um, oh, see, my brain's left me. The founder of Facebook, <laughs> did, oh, didn't right. he say something like, um, move fast and break things? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree, Rebuilt. That's, that's important. You know, one of the other things that, that an example that comes to mind and something that I'm hoping to help juniors get past is a lot of interviews that you go on for software engineering they'll get you like the manager the interviewing manager will get you on a on a call or in a room and say okay here's a coding problem code it in front of me and that's that is intimidating as hell and i'll tell you i did that i 
I had to take those tests when I was looking for a job in the middle of my career. And even at that point, you know, I was a senior developer at that point. That was still intimidating, having somebody look out over your shoulder. And I, I was like, I don't ever want to feel like that again. So I want to go do this on a consistent basis where I'm in front of people coding new things so that I'm comfortable with that. Because I didn't like the feeling of, oh, my God, somebody's looking over my shoulder. I, I better get this all perfect and right or, or I'm not going to get this job. That's that is not how it goes. You know, so be comfortable with it. So if you're not. If you're not a senior developer or you're not and junior developers, I think would benefit greatly from live coding and just getting out there and, and getting comfortable with that kind of stuff. I know it's intimidating, but it's really not that bad. Um, but it, you know, if you, if you're not one that, that will do the live coding, I would highly recommend that you go watch people live code. Cause there are people on Twitch and YouTube that do live coding and a lot more than me. You know, I'm not, I, I didn't come up with this. Um, great positioning for convincing people to do live coding. Uh, in what way? What's convincing you, man? Look, look like Lucian, You've done a few live things now, not live coding that I'm aware of, but some interviews. You've been on this show. You've been on Seb's show. You've done a couple of things live. What's different about that than recorded stuff? I mean, do you have any advice for people who want to try live coding and what things that they should think about maybe? Um, or anybody else in chat for that matter. But I would highly recommend, you know, Twitch, there, there are quite a few Ruby programmers if if you're into Ruby. I mean, all the languages are out there. I typically look for Ruby programmers because that's the language I like. But, uh, oh, yeah, making it more comfortable in interviews. It, it, it did that for me. Um, you know, I, I realized after I had that, and this has just been a few years ago when I was looking for the job. When I was doing the job hunting where I got this job, um, that happened to me. And, you know, this is 20 some years of programming under my belt and I still was intimidated and I didn't like that feeling. So I said, OK, I'm just going to, you know, get in front of my fear here and constantly do this in public. So if I'm ever faced with a situation like that again, but that's something that, that juniors, uh, you know, this is not just so you can show off your coding skills. This is so you can develop coding skills that will make it better for you to get a job. Not only that, but if you're live coding and you've got this stuff up on the on the web and you're going to look for a job, you can say, hey, look, you can go watch me code, watch my thinking process. You know, I've got a I've got a whole port portfolio of videos that you could watch and see exactly how I work. Um, cause I know, I know right now it's, I'm hearing a lot of things about juniors having a hard time finding jobs and lots of people are looking at after all the layoffs and stuff, it's, it's a tough market. And so having, having ways to sell yourself and show potential employers, look, this is, this is me, you know, no surprises. Here I am. You get to see exactly what I'm doing. Um, and, and it makes you more comfortable. With that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I, 
I highly recommend trying some live live coding. Just give it a shot. Worst that can happen is you don't like it and decide not to do it anymore. But you know, all you need is a webcam and a a um, headset mic, which you probably already have anyway. Doesn't take tons of equipment. And a dream. And a dream. <laughs> and like I said, join our Discord if you want to. I'm happy to take questions and talk to people about it. Um, uh, Luchin, what is different now after a couple of live shows? It's easier after each one. Exactly. I mean, I, you know, I'm still not 100% comfortable in front of a camera, and I've been doing this for a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, your first one, yeah, if you're going to try this, yeah, your first one, you're going to be petrified, or it's going to be a disaster, but, you know, just keep going, and it'll just keep getting better if, you, if you're going to try this. Right, and, and I think... To... And I say this not live coding, but I say it doing live shows doing recorded content in general where I'm showing my mug and speaking right. to a, a mic. <laughs> yeah. It's anytime you get in front of a camera, it's, it's just not comfortable, but you know, I, th I think it's, as I said earlier, that's usually the biggest hurdle and you know, I'll, I'll offer this up too. If anybody, if you get on the discord and we're talking about live streaming and you want to try a live stream, Let's work out a time. I'll get on there with you and, you know, because it's always easier to have somebody on there with you to talk to so that you don't feel like you're talking to nobody because that's really hard to do, um, especially for most programmers who are fairly introverted. Just talking to nobody is not a skill that you <laughs> that you really come to the table with most of the time. Um you know, you have to learn that. So it's easier to get started if you have somebody with you. And I'll do that. I'll, you know, I'll come on and be your wingman if we can work out a time. Because um, I love this stuff and I want to see more people doing it. So. What things are you thinking about live coding? Yeah, so is this for me? You or chat? Uh, okay. Uh, the main fear, uh, Lucian, said, man, I'm having a hard time. My southern drawl can't pronounce that name the way you did, man. I'm, I'm trying, but Lucian. I think the main fear for me regarding a live show is a combination of not having time to think, rethink, combined with the feeling that it will remain written in stone. Um, that's a good point. And that is, that I think is one of the biggest things, a time, you know, you feel, you feel like you're under pressure to get it done. Um, I was feeling that when I started coding with Chris and what I've realized is if I need to sit there and think for 10 minutes about a problem, I'll sit there and think for 10 minutes about a problem, or I'll start talking to chat and just having a conversation about something else so that my brain can percolate a little bit. Um, but yeah, I get yeah, I mean, that because you feel like you want to say, like you want to show everybody, I know how to solve this problem. Here we go. But that's not really the point. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times the best solutions I come up with is I hit a problem. I do try to break through the wall the first couple of times, but sometimes I'm just like, I'm just going to step away. I'm going to take a walk. 
I'm going to, oh, it's time to make dinner or whatever. And then like I'm sitting down and suddenly I'm like, oh, I could try this. Or, you know, or you're in the shower and you come up with those solutions on the fly. So, I mean, when you're live coding, I think you're probably going to have to take that into account. You can't just come up with the best solution right then and there. It may, hmm, you may, maybe you say, hmm, I'm going to table this. This is an implementation that works. Maybe I'll make it better later. Mm -hmm. And then maybe on your next stream, maybe you'll have an idea to apply towards it. Yep. And I've done so that I think several trying times. Trying to get the best solution immediately. Yeah. Don't think it's going to come because it doesn't, well, at least it doesn't come in the real world for me either. So. Yeah. And, you know, what I'm starting to understand about the coding with Chris, it, it's, it's different than this. This is a show. This is a talk show. We're here to um, pass knowledge, to entertain, to, to be a little more professional than I'm trying to be with coding with Chris. Right. But still be real. I don't want hyper polished scripted stuff. But this is different than than the live coding stuff I'm doing. And it was weird kind of taking the mindset of what we're doing here and changing that for the live coding because I'm not trying really to teach over there. Uh, I'm just trying to share my process over there. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a different mindset and, and it is a little intimidating still for me. If I get stuck on a problem on live chat, um, is that, you know, I can sit there and, and just say, well, I, I have no idea. Let's move on to something else and just be fluid and change the plans as we go. Like here we have a topic that we're trying to talk about. I started doing that with coding with Chris and trying to trying to say, okay, today we're going to work on this thing. And I still do that. I'll put a title up and I'll start there. But if I get stuck, I'm just like, okay, well, we're going to go work on something else then. Or, hey, here's this thing related to this and I'm more interested in this right now. So I'm going to go work on this thing. And, and it's get fine. The ball. Get the ball. <laughs> right. Get the shiny ball. Squirrel. But, you know, it, it, and that's fine because that, that type of thing, the live coding, and, and I think the sense I get from chat is that they actually are enjoying that because they can take things in a different direction too. Chat can say, hey, what about this? What, can we go look at this thing? Sure. Let's, you know, it's just like pair programming. There's no agenda there. It's just, I want to code some things and I'm just going to do it with a camera on me. So you know, so people can share and maybe I can get some help. And I get a lot of help with chat because I have absolutely no clue what I'm doing with the game programming stuff. Um, so chats and they're helping me all the time. Um, so Uchen says one thing that works against people wanting to do live coding in Ruby. I somehow got the feeling that we raised the bar very high. Uh, what I mean by this, we expect too much quality. We have our own guidelines built on top of Ruby and we expect them from other people. I think, okay, I, I think I agree with you. I also think that that has a lot to, lot more to do with, um, th th that's more prevalent in the Rails environment than in the Ruby environment itself. Because Rails has all these, and, and I'm not trying to knock, I, I like Rails, 
I'm not trying to knock it. I'm just saying it has a different perception of this is how things should be and you should know how to do this this way. When I got out of that paradigm and went over to the the um Dragon Ruby and the Ruby game programming, you know, I didn't have Rails to worry about. It was just Ruby. Um actually M Ruby, which is even more different. It it kind of freed me from that because as I'm looking around, you know, Dragon Ruby's fairly new com comparatively speaking to Rails. So there's not that bar that um that hey you you should know how to do this in Dragon Ruby because Dragon Ruby's everywhere, right? It's not the same as Rails. So people are in here like I'm 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 constantly in the Dragon Ruby Discord because people are asking fairly basic questions about Ruby because they're not Ruby developers. They're game developers trying Ruby out, right? And I'm a Ruby a Rails developer trying Dragon Ruby out. And so it's it's this thing where we don't have to feel so Ruby smart because there isn't a bar there yet. So if you're afraid of, if you're thinking the bar is too high, which being a senior developer has been doing this for a long time, I will tell you that I am still amazed constantly by things I see junior developers doing because they're thinking in a different way, right? So from my point of view, there is no bar here. It's I do things the way I've learned to do them. You've got a new way of doing things that's probably better than mine. Um, but I, I, I hear what you're saying, Lucian. I, I think that you're right, that that's intimidating because you sit here and look at things. As a junior, you sit and look at things and say, I can't be that good. I don't know all that stuff, so I, I, can't, uh, I can't do it. Right, but you can. Uh, so here's a short recommendation for people who want to stream. He says, "Try Hanami too, maybe." Very good. I mean, yeah, go go look at just change the framework. I'm not saying that you should become a Hanami master or a Dragon Ruby master or forget Rails. You know, but play with something else just to get your brain working a little differently and to see that. Ruby and Rails are not the same thing, right? Yeah, um, I think that's, you know, it's in the name Rails. You are put on a <laughs> constricted path. <laughs> right. And if you deviate it, it's called going off the rails. And that's, you know, you shy away from that. Whereas if you look at the Ruby language, I mean, you could build whatever you want with it, you know. Right. In, in your own way. And people make their own frameworks as you get to, you know, there's Hanami right here. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. One thing that when I started doing, I actually started, you know, was it a decade ago or whatever, I did a little bit of game programming using Unity and I had to learn some, was it C Sharp? Mm -hmm. You know, and having that exposure changed the way I thought about things and building things. It was much more freeing than, you know, following the, the rails path. Yep. But you can have your own freedom as well. It's just a lot of people kind of get stuck. I don't know if it's stuck in a rut or whatever, but stuck on the rails. 
Well, that's uh, that's specifically what it was for me. One of the reasons I wanted to try Dragon Ruby was I I want I love Ruby, but I want to do something that's not Rails SaaS app stuff. I want to do something completely yeah. different. Uh, so Rebuilt says, I think the Ruby Rails divide you're talking about has a lot to do with the junior-senior divide. Rails has a lot of senior developers. It it does. Um, and that's not to say that that it's it's hard to get into Rails. It's actually easy to get into Rails. It's hard to get into a Rails job, I think, right now. Um, so, I, I mean, I would... If you're on the job hunting trail, I would focus more on learning Ruby uh, in in different environments than Rails. I mean, learn Rails, but learn Hanami. Go play with Dragon Ruby. Go watch uh, live coding of different people doing different things with Ruby because it'll expose you to a lot of stuff. Um, I'm actually learning some things in Dragon Ruby that I'd never thought about before, and I'm bringing them into work because they're good ideas that, that you know, Rails programmers don't think that way. Even senior, really good Rails engineers don't think that way. Hey, Colin, what's happening? Howdy. So, yeah, I mean, I, get out there and try different environments with, with Ruby or whichever language you're, you're using. Um, you know, like .NET, you know, you can use .NET to do Unity programming. Uh, Lucian said, uh, Eve, as a senior, I wrote some silly articles exploring some ideas about how to use new features in Ruby. I expected a pushback and a discussion, but the level of criticism was to the roof. <laughs> wow. That's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, and see, that's... Uh... Get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not okay. I I I'm happy to say I've never experienced that in the Ruby community or the Rails community. Um but maybe I've just gotten lucky, but so far people are very receptive to new ideas. They may not use them. But generally they'll they'll listen. Of course, Maybe that's my experience has something to do with my personality of I really don't give a crap what you think about me. So I'm just going to tell you what I think and use it or not. I That's fine. Yeah, I'm thinking about this. I think if I'm going to do if I'm going to do life coding, maybe I won't use Ruby. Maybe I'll actually do some Elixir or use the Phoenix Web Framework. Yeah, just do something different. Because here's the thing, I don't do a lot. I've never done any consulting with that. I do consulting with Ruby and Rails and, of course, the database consulting. But, and I do have a small app that does one part that's in Phoenix and Elixir, of course. But I don't get a lot of practice with that. So maybe live coding something with that would be, help keep me in the frame of mind. Because... That's another thing. It it allows it allows me to think differently because again, this is not object oriented programming. It's procedural programming, basically. So you know, you don't use loops. You don't use, you know, the conditional conditionals are different and things of that nature. Yeah. Well, and that's something I I 
quickly found out because when I started coding with Chris, I started with a SaaS app in Rails. And after a few episodes, I quickly discovered that this just feels like work. This is what I do all day. I don't want to do this for fun. So that's why I switched gears and said, I want to do something that I don't do all day at work, right? So that I can look forward to this and have fun with it and explore new things. And it's not just the same old crap I'm doing eight hours a day, five, six days a week, um, day in, day out. So, you know, I would say if, if you, um, if you want to try live coding and you, and you're okay with learning how to fail in public, and I think that's a good skill to have, it's, it's a skill, it needs to be developed and this is a good way to do it. If you're going to do that, don't, don't live code the stuff you do all day, every day. You'll, you'll get bored with it. It'll, it'll just feel like burned out. Yeah. Um, and then you won't want to go back to work. You won't want to do your live coding. You won't want to ever see that stuff again because you're just constantly in it. Do something different. Um, so Lucien says, uh, still Ruby is a great community. I learned a lot from these interactions still. And I want to say in the end, I'm grateful that people took the time to give feedback, even if that was a critique. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, I don't mind people saying, hey, here's here's what I think about your idea. Here's a different idea that I have. Here's a different thought that I have. Honestly, I think the best ideas come in the middle of people's opposing viewpoints. Um, I see these people carry, care very much and out of the care they want to correct or teach or give that feedback. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and you really like that I chose Dragon Ruby. Good. I'm glad you enjoy it. I'm I'm really enjoying it. It's fantastic. And the community there um, if it's something anybody's thinking about uh, getting into, I would highly recommend their Discord. They're a fun bunch of folks. Uh, Rebuilt says, every year I learn a new language. On my off hours, I just can't program more Ruby. I need something different. Absolutely. That's absolutely how I feel. I mean, I'm okay with doing more Ruby, but... Out of curiosity, Rebuilt, uh, if you're still there, what, uh, what are some of the recent languages you've learned out of curiosity? Yeah, I know I know a big one is that a lot of people have been learning lately is Rust. Um I haven't looked into it, but Yep, there you go. <laughs> Rust. <laughs> the year of Rust. <laughs> yep. Um cuz I know Primogen is really into Rust and Yeah, Lua. So I know Lua is used is a scripting language that I haven't ever done Lua, but it's used for a lot of modding of games and stuff. So uh, I know that's a big thing in the modding community. I don't think it is as much anymore as it was, but it's still still used quite a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, learning new stuff and getting out there and doing something different. I actually prefer. When I go and watch somebody live coding, I prefer seeing them learning new things that they don't already know. I'm not going there to to watch somebody who's, you know, super senior at this particular thing and can just do it by rote. That's no fun to watch. I want to see people screw up. I want 
to see them fail in public and then see how they figure out how to learn that stuff. Um, so, you know, I would say go, go fail in public. I, I, th I think the other disadvantage of that, if you're a super senior and you're doing what you know, um, and you know everything that you're going to be doing, maybe you're going to be moving too fast for people to keep up. Right. Like, so. Pr Primogen is really entertaining. I like watching him. But I have no idea what the I have no idea what the hell he's programming because he flies around so fast. I have no idea what he's doing. Um, uh, Lucian says that's a great perspective to watch someone learn something new and learn from that process. I like that too, and not only about programming but about a wide range of topics. Yeah, exactly. It's it's learning how to learn, seeing how other people learn, incorporating some of that stuff, and what's really good is everybody learns a different way and everybody has something valuable to show. So if you go and do some live streaming or some, some coding in some kind of public scenario, live streaming doesn't have to be it, but this whole failing in public, actually, I think we should change the title of this to learning in public. Yeah. Because that's I was, really what it I is. I thought of that before you actually said it. I was like, Learning in public may be more appropriate. Right. And, and you know, I thought about that as the title of this, but I specifically made it failing in public because I wanted to make that point during the show, is that yeah, it's yeah. not really failing. It's learning. And, you know, I've told my kids several times over their, their school careers that school isn't really about what you learn. It's about learning how to learn. That's the important part, because when you get into a job, most of the stuff you learn in school is going to evaporate. What you really want to hang on to is and it's how not to going figure to apply. <laughs> right. What you what you want to hang on to is how to figure out how to figure out things. Right. Learning how to learn. And I think that's one of the great benefits of people who will go out and learn in public is because they can show people their process and show people, well, this is how I figure things out. Because that'll help people, right? So, I one of the one of the things I want to try to do is make it so that people will go into a failing in public uh, scenario with the mindset of I'm not trying to look like the best programmer. I'm trying to share with people how I learn new things, uh, and. You know, that'll translate, I think, into when I go into a job interview and they say, code this in front of me, what they're trying to see is how do I figure things out? Not, I know all the answers off the top of my head, right? So, so yeah, I think I, I would love to see more of this in the community, more live coding, more more learning in public type of thing because I think it it's going to help uh the next generation of developers feel confident that you know senior developers aren't some magical beast up there with a unicorn horn and a, and a magic wand all of us are learning all the time and and that's a good thing 
uh, and don't that's, be afraid that's of that. That's an especially important important point to say is that all of us are learning all the time. You have to, because I mean, all the languages that Rebuilt mentioned, Elixir, Lua, Rust. I mean, were those around ten years ago? Nope. Well, I Lua may have been, so. but Lua, Lua may have been, but you know. Things move so fast. Oh, yeah. It's like if you want to stay current, you in this type of profession, you have to be constantly learning. Right. So that is the skill that will pay more dividends than anything else. Right. And the specific technical stuff I learned 20 years ago doesn't really matter anymore. But the yeah. learning how to figure that stuff out I learned 20 years ago, that still matters. So learning how to learn is constantly a good thing. And if I can help people do that more in the community, out in public, um, I think that's going to be a good thing. So if you haven't joined our, our Discord, please do so. I'll be putting up there, and, and on Twitter too, um, some times when I'll be hanging out and just talking to people about how to live code and what they need, the technologies, the, the equipment, the mindsets. Uh, ticks, ticks and trips, tips and tricks, or ticks and trips if that's what you want to talk about. I don't see failing in public, just there. There you go. Um, yeah, Collins says seeing how others work and think through issues is invaluable. Right, that's why I want to go watch people live code. That's when I go to watch it. That's what I'm looking for. I don't really care what they're coding, <laughs> honestly. Like I. I don't care what they're actually working on. I want to see how they're thinking through the problems. Um, and so that's what I, I'm hoping that people come watch me do it for, is not only to hang out and have fun, but to see how I'm working through the problems and learn how to learn. Um, so, you know, if you guys uh, just keep a watch out on on the discord and Twitter. Uh, and I'll, I'll make an announcement as soon as I figure out a time for that. And I'll, I'll start with maybe an hour a week where we can just hang out on the discord chat and talk through questions you have. If you want to get into this and, and how to, how to res resolve these things. Um, because I really do want to see more of that in the community. Um, rebuilt says when I watch, I'm looking for how they debug, what the workflow looks like, what tools they're using. Exactly. I love that stuff. I love the tool chains and and how they process the problem. Because I learn something every time I see somebody different doing that, because they have a different way of thinking. And it helps me. So, oh my. Well, we're up on, up on time here. Up on time. Up on time. So, I will... Uh, I'll let you take it out because you brought it in. <laughs> Here we go. Coming in for a landing. <laughs> so th thank you everyone for joining us. You can watch us every week, Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you can find us on live streaming on YouTube and Twitch. You can also get replays of this on podcasts and also on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, Go to the rubberduckdevshow.com, our website, to be able to get that. And you can sign up for our newsletter where we basically send you out the weekly email of what the show covered. Uh, you can also check out, is it 
Ducky Dev. What's the Twitter? At Chris Ducky hangs Dev out Show. on at Ducky Dev Show, so you can chat with him here, or as he's mentioned several times, you can join our Discord server. And also, the links for those are also on the the background of the image that you see here. Next week, we have Lucian joining us along with Seb Wilgosh, uh, yeah. talking about monetizing your content. You know, I think. There's a thing or two we could learn about this to see how we can monetize the show. Because guess how much paid. the two of us have made from this stuff? <laughs> a big zero. Well, but that's fine. Yeah, so, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So so thanks, everyone, for joining us. We will see you next week. All right. See you guys. Happy programming. Yep.